The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Super Talk Radio. Thanks a lot for being with us on this beautiful day. We appreciate you as you support us, and uh, we hopefully entertain and educate you. And also, we're appreciative of our sponsors here at the Advisors Roundtable. So, Bubba, as people come uh, and seek your advice related to financial matters, uh, if you had to say, you know, 30% of them need this, 20% of them need that, if we made a list of the various things that they're looking for from you, uh, input from you. Uh, investment advice would be on the list. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably in the 80% range. Okay. All right. Uh, estate, of the individuals that come to see me. Yeah. yeah. Estate planning. Um, whether they know it or not, 100%. <laughs> because yeah. you're going to hound them before they so leave. So they right? may come to see me with uh, another question, right? And mm-hmm. then I bring something up, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it turns into this totally different conversation about estate planning. Than they thought when right. they came to mm-hmm. see you, because maybe yeah. they came to see you about their 401k mm-hmm. or retirement or rolling. And uh, that also brings mm-hmm. up another point, retirement, right? Uh, college education planning, mm-hmm. uh, elimination yeah. of debt. Uh, there's a various array right. of mm-hmm. things. Tax that, planning. I mean, that people are asking, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go back to the first one where you said about 70, 80% of the people ask you about investments. Mm-hmm. This part of the world, you don't have a whole lot of people who are um, involved in straddles and puts and calls. And, and uh, you know, from time to time, you may have somebody who wants to do a covered call, and we mm-hmm. may get into what all those right. But very rarely do you have people doing esoteric kinds of things. I, I think you just lost every listener out there <laughs> when you talked about, you know, puts and straddles. And, and I, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. right. And all of those are various option strategies or mm-hmm. whatever with certain investments and sure. individual stocks and Whatever. So the majority of the people... You're right. It is limited on the number of individuals, and I think even nationally, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, When you talk about these uh, very sophisticated types of strategies Mm -hmm. that that one can employ, right? um, number one, just knowing how they work Mm -hmm. is is difficult in and of itself, and trying to explain that to a a, a layperson is going to be even more difficult, Mm -hmm. especially if they're not in the industry and don't understand it. Right, right. right. So the majority of the Mm -hmm. people in this part of the world or in America, in the, uh, nationally, that are looking at their investments. They're looking at cash, CDs. I mean, it's going down the list of the various cash, things. Cash, CDs, we, bonds, stocks, maybe. Mutual um, funds, ETFs. Mutual like, funds, ETFs, and, and possibly some hard current, like hard assets, and I would call those like gold, silver, mm-hmm. land, yeah. real estate. A few people these days have dabbled in the mm-hmm. cryptocurrency world, yeah. Bitcoin kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Right. But uh, that's the list of eight or ten of the top things that the most people are going to see when they look at their own portfolio. Mm-hmm. Whether they 
know they put that in there or it's in there because the provider of their 401k provided it and put it inside their target date fund or whatever. That's that's what we see right. most of the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, is that enough? Can people do that, or they need these these esoteric, uh, spe- specialized options related, maybe even structured products? Uh, it, uh, how complicated do people need to be to fully get it? So the complexity of investment products out there is, uh, you know. Uh, innumerable, I would say. There, mm-hmm. there are so many different, uh, and and each time uh, you finally learn an investment product, a new one is invented. <laughs> it's right, not true. Um, yeah. And the merits of these different types of products that are mm-hmm. out there, I mm-hmm. think, are uh, specific enough that uh, that they would apply to certain categories of individuals. All right, they, in order to be promulgated mm-hmm. and. And in order to be marketed and in order to be mm-hmm. legal, yeah, they've had to apply to somebody. Right. Uh, you know, it's like you think about going to your your pharmacy. Uh, you know, you've heard about people who have opioid drug issues, sure, but they still have opioids in there because mm-hmm. they do apply. Actually, yeah. In certain Correctly, yeah. in certain situations. And so the Securities Exchange Commission has said, yeah, these structured products or, yeah, uh, these options mm-hmm. or, yeah, this strategy, the annuity or whatever mm-hmm. can be used for some. Yeah. But they're not necessarily. But just because it's approved does mm-hmm. not mean that that is an endorsement for all individuals. All right. right? Not necessarily everybody. Not necessarily everybody. Because not everybody needs a, an opioid drug. That's right. I mean, today you may mm-hmm. need an antibiotic. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. So opioids don't apply to everybody, even though they correctly apply to some. Mm-hmm. And the same thing is true for some of these investments. Right. Um, so average person, 20, 25 years old, trying to get started, what do they need to start with? What, what really applies to most people? So, and I'm going to take this back just one little step here, mm-hmm. Right. Most individuals in their mid-20s, what you said, what do they need, right? Mm-hmm. They need to start. Yeah. They need to start doing something, okay. right? Because time at that point is only on their side. Even if it's just putting money in their checking account if or savings account. If it's putting start money doing something. in their checking or savings account, savings money, putting up uh, money in a uh, an emergency fund, that is all a great start. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it doesn't have to be as complicated as saying, well, you know, I'm 23 years old now. I, I guess I ought to start doing this option strategy. Yeah, or I got to have a bunch of ETFs or right, whatever. Right. And maybe you do mm-hmm. because, you know, some people inherited money or some yeah. people are just starting out mm-hmm. or some people have a retirement plan. Some people don't. Right. So it's hard to make a blanket statement it's, other than. It's very hard to make a blanket statement other than start doing something. All right. And, in and the, what does that something entail? Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to overgeneralize and oversimplify here. Right. For somebody that's young and has a long time horizon, and typically we're talking about saving money or saving dollars for their retirement at mm-hmm. some point in time, mm-hmm. uh, and whether they do it in an IRA, a Roth IRA, or uh, just an individual account in their name or a joint account, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, the S&P 500 has been a good place to invest over the long term. Okay. 
So I think that they need to have a component of it that's comprised of the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have a bond component and maybe an international component. All right, so we got a few maybes in there, mm-hmm. and what we're going to do is go to break, and when we come back, we're going to kind of clear up the maybes and figure out how much of each of those maybe you need to start with from the Advisors Roundtable. On Thanks a lot for hanging in there with us at the Advisors Roundtable. This is Certified Financial Planner Greg Cooley along with Certified Financial Planner Bubba Labus here with you on Super Talk. And so, Bubba, we're talking about you know people looking at their investment portfolios. What should they think about having in there you say they need to get started and if they really don't know how much bonds and and Mm -hmm. how many stocks and do they need etfs and what is an etf and what about cryptocurrencies Mm -hmm. Uh, let's say that they say you know what bubba's right i need to get started i need to Mm -hmm. put a few hundred dollars a month in something for my future Start me with that basic conversation. New person, age 25, comes in and says, Hey, Bubba, I got $250 a month here Mm -hmm. that I need to be putting somewhere. You told me on the radio to get started. What kind of asset mix? How are you going to make those decisions? I I think the first uh, conversation that we have is a a conversation about risk and risk tolerances. Okay. Okay. And time frame. All right. And not everybody's is the same. Not everybody. Everyone's different. Right. Um, now I, I would overgeneralize and say that, uh, younger individuals tend to be a little bit more aggressive and can ab- afford to be a little bit more aggressive. And your, say, lo- your logic for that is they've got a much longer time frame before they're going to need the money during retirement, et cetera, et cetera. So if we had an economic uh, issue mm-hmm. and we had a recession that came along every few years, they're young enough to live through them and, and weather withstand them. it and, and okay. you know, all that kind of thing. Okay. All right. Whereas somebody who is older, nearing retirement, may need a different investment mix okay. uh, based on what their risk goals and parameters are. Okay. So that uh, that their their volatility in their account is not quite so up and down. Yep. And what we do, because we're good old Southern boys, we try to use farm-related analogies here yeah and as you're younger and you're trying to build something we say to people think of trying to build a racehorse or Mm -hmm. put up enough money to be able to buy a racehorse and why why racehorse in your mind because we want that thing to get you as fast as we can to your goal but Mm -hmm. do it safely right so let's say that you say hey you know i want to retire Mm -hmm. by the time i'm 60 and i'm 25 years old Mm mm-hmm so that means I got twenty five years. No, I've got thirty five years right. to get to sixty, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All right. So I got thirty five years there. But boy, Bubba, if you could get me there by the time I'm fifty five, mm-hmm. uh, all the more better, huh? right? Mm-hmm. So we're racing toward that, yeah. but we want this to be a You may still horse. be on a racehorse, a very healthy racehorse, but that racehorse may not be as trained as some other experienced racehorses. That's exactly right. 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 So the ride could be a little bit scarier. Uh-huh. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we need to be thinking about this racehorse and it being healthy mm-hmm. and how is it put together and all that sort of stuff. Well, that's your portfolio. Yeah. It's trying to get you somewhere. Now, when we get you there and you're 60 mm-hmm. or you're 55, maybe yeah. we got there and the numbers say you could yeah. do it at 55. We sell your racehorse and go buy you a cow. Well, yeah, or plow mule, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And th- what's this cow do? Give you milk. Right. And that's going to give you income throughout mm-hmm. your retirement. Yep. All right. 
So in order to build this racehorse, you know, uh, if you were building the ideal racehorse, mm-hmm. you're probably going to have one that's got some good genetics. Yeah. And you want it to be a certain height and a certain weight and, you know, to have uh, this kind of capability and that kind of capability and we want to look at its gait. And there's a lot of stuff into building a racehorse. Right. Right. Same thing is true for your mm-hmm. investment portfolio. So in this investment portfolio, that's going to make up your racehorse to get you to retirement mm-hmm. faster, but hopefully safely. We're going to need some stocks for a 25-year-old? I think you're going to need primarily stocks Okay, for somebody in that age group. So again, I'm making some assumptions here, but this individual uh, we've, we've talked about, and I think that they need to be moderately aggressive. Okay. So let's talk about what that means. Yeah, what does right? that mean? So you've got an aggressive uh, type of investor. Mm-hmm. You've got moderately aggressive investors. You've got moderate, okay. moderate conservative, and then conservative. So by and large, we've got five or six different categories right. that people's risk tolerance mm-hmm. could fall into. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're conservative, let's start on the really, really yeah. uh, different end here from yeah. the aggressive side. If you're conservative... What kinds of investments allow you to sleep at night? If that's your personality, you're uh, you're going to be a little bit hesitant to put money in CDs at a bank. Okay, you're probably going to be a little hesitant to put money in bonds, okay. uh, especially government bonds. Now, granted, those are probably some of the safest investments out there. So, right? if I make some kind of investment yeah. and I'm a conservative person, you're going to want safe investments, mm-hmm. something that you know is uh, either going to give you a stated rate of return mm-hmm. without any risk associated with it and that you're going to get your money back. Okay. All right. So it's probably a government bond or a CD or a savings account or a checking account, something Correct. like that. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And if I invest, and, uh, you know, even if you bury money in the backyard that that does carry some risk associated with it. Right. Yeah, especially if Phil and I know where it is. Yeah. If, if they, <laughs> if you know where it is or uh, if you don't wrap the money up good enough and worms get to it. Ooh. Right. Absolutely. It can deteriorate. Sure. Right. Yeah. So moving up the scale a little bit, a moderate investor, mm-hmm. I think. A moderately conservative. Moderately conservative, conservative up to investor. Moder- oh, all right. So what do they have? They will have uh, maybe, well, they'll have, uh, again, everything that a conservative invest- investor We're just going to add to every time. We're going to we add to each time. Okay. Right? So right. I think the things that you could add to there would be uh, some structured products. And we're going to come back and let yeah. you define that in a second. I will. Okay. Uh, possibly some annuities okay. uh, that have some guarantees by insurance companies. And this is a moderately conservative investor. Correct. Okay. Um, right. You may have a, a small portion, 10 15% or so, in some stocks. And they're probably stocks I recognize the name of. They're going to be the the big heavy hitters that you would recognize immediately. Right. And I'm not endorsing any of these, but things like Exxon, mm-hmm. Procter and Gamble, mm-hmm. Johnson and Johnson, mm-hmm. Caterpillar, Walmart, Coca Cola, Coca Cola. Right. You know right. things right. that have been around for a long time have mm-hmm. well established company or well established companies that pay a good dividend. And it's pretty easy for me to understand them. Right. I know what Coke does. Mm-hmm. I know what Walmart does. Exactly. I can see all the products mm-hmm. that. Procter and Gamble, you know, it's not something I have to learn. Sure. You know, in just a few seconds, I can flip through and say, what does that company do? Mm-hmm. Oh, there are all their products, and that's the way they distribute yep. them. I don't have to go to business school to understand that, right. right? Let's talk about what a structured product is. Yeah. 
So a structured product can take on many different forms, mm-hmm. all right? But I'm, in its simplest form, how do they work? Yeah. They're, they're uh, underlying are generally going to be fixed income instruments, okay? okay? All right. So this is the way they work. Uh, everybody knows what a CD is. It's a certificate of, of deposit, right? Okay. Most CDs have a stated interest rate mm-hmm. that would be, you know, zero, one, two, three, whatever percentage rate that they're going to uh, pay for that CD holder. So if I had saved $10,000 mm-hmm. and I walk into an institution mm-hmm. that does CDs, right. they're going to say, hey, we're going to give you 3% yeah. for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and I can pretty easily understand that. And I'm, you're going to get your 300 bucks a year, and then at the end of a couple of years, you're going to get your $10,000 back. And that's the structure of that product. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, the way that uh, a structured product works mm-hmm. is they typically employ option strategies of some sort, uh, in most instances they will. So mm-hmm. they'll take that $10,000, for instance, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. And they'll take about $9,500 of that and put it into a CD or an instrument that is going to mature, say, at, at 100%. Or in 10000 a, a year or two. Okay. So you know that, without a doubt, you're going to at least get your money back. The ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what do they do with the other five hundred bucks mm, in the me. meantime? Right. Well, they go out and they uh, buy a long-term equity call option. In most instances, instances that is going to track one of the uh, indexes or whatever you're trying to accomplish with that product. All right. So let's sounds kind of complicated, all right, right? So that S and P five hundred mm-hmm. you were talking about, yeah. basically five hundred mm-hmm. companies yeah. that I'm going to notice and understand and, mm-hmm. and recognize the name of all of those. Right. I can do a structured product that is linked to the S and P five hundred. Correct. All yeah. right. And what is a call option? You said they're going to buy, take my five hundred dollars yeah. and buy a call. Option. So they're going to, in essence, take your your five ninety five hundred dollars, put it in a CD that's going to mature at ten thousand. Okay. The other five hundred bucks, they're going to buy an option mm-hmm. on the S and P five hundred, okay. which basically means that the S and P five hundred is trading at a certain price, uh-huh. and upon a certain date in the future, if it's trading above or below, mm-hmm. they're going to profit. If it goes above a certain price. All right. It's it's called a call Mm -hmm. option because they basically can call up whoever they wrote that contract with. And and say, hey, I want this contract at this price, which I agreed upon with you, which is a contract. Okay. And then they can turn around and sell it to somebody else if it's above that contract price. Okay. And that's probably where they're going to get me a little profit. That's right. Because that mm-hmm. other $95 was invested in a way that helps me understand I'm going to get my principal back. Exactly. Now, that's deep into the weeds on it, how these things work. It really is. But in a nutshell, that's how they work. Right. You're buying a zero-coupon CD or a zero-coupon government bond of some mm-hmm. sort that you know is going to mature at, at your principal value or your, your dollar amount that you put into mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they're taking a little bit of that money and buying a long-term equity call option in most instances. All right. And what kind of structured product is this called? Is this called an equity-linked note? What? What? What do you? If I was going, if I heard Bubba talking about Mm -hmm. on the radio and it kind of piqued my interest and I wanted to look at it, it could be an equity-linked CD. It could be an equity-linked note. Um, You know, and, and they've got all kinds of different names associated with them. All right. Uh, but in essence, it's a way to um, to have exposure to the stock market 
with but limited mean, downside risk. But I don't really have to worry about it that much. I know I'm getting right. my, my principal right. back. Right. Now, there are dual directional notes. and they, I mean, they get really, really crazy from there on, right? Right. Um, you know, they've got bearish notes. So if, if the market goes down, you could potentially uh, benefit from that as well. All right. We're going to take a break. Yep. We're going to come back and continue this discussion re- related to structured products at the Advisors Roundtable. The Advisors Roundtable, Certified Financial Planners, Cooley and Labus with you right here on Super Talk Radio. And so we're talking about these various risk tolerances and moving people through mm-hmm. a list of the assets that you can put your money in and, and, and your portfolio would yeah. look like if you're a conservative mm-hmm. investor. And we talked about savings and CDs and mm-hmm. government bonds, that sort of Correct. thing. Then a moderately conservative investor, we talked about the the structured product. Right. Now, first of all, you think very many people out there have heard about these sorts of things? Um, Probably not. Why not? Because it sounded like a way for me to put my toe in the water and and test this. Number one, they, uh, they, they are a little bit more complicated. Okay. A little bit harder to explain uh-huh. to individuals, uh-huh. and uh, when you introduce complications or complexity, mm-hmm. some people just turn off and don't want to hear it. Yeah. The other thing about them is they're not free. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to get some big brokerage firm or somebody that's been around mm-hmm. for 100 years that can do this call thing for you and go right. get this CD for you and do mm-hmm. all this work for you. For free, right? So because there are costs associated with it, right? Yeah, there are costs associated with registering the product. Mm-hmm. There are costs associated with implementing the mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, you know, if you go out and you purchase CDs or you purchase bonds mm-hmm. inside this mm-hmm. structured product that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and then you go and you buy the option strategies along with it, there's mm-hmm. a manager that usually mm-hmm. has to help or facilitate those trades and do that Mm -hmm. Uh, there's the record keeping and reporting yeah because somebody's got to report this up the chain to government entities and managers and that sort of thing Mm -hmm. to make sure that they're not stealing your money right so how much do they cost right let's talk about that uh i would say in 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 general uh terms probably somewhere in the two to two and a half percent range okay could be the high side for some of these products. Maybe a little less. Let's just make the math easy. Two percent. Two percent. Okay. So on a ten thousand yep. dollar structured mm-hmm. note that you just talked right. to, see, I'm starting to use some of the nomenclature right. here. Mm-hmm. On a two, uh, ten thousand dollar structured mm-hmm. note, two percent is a couple hundred dollars. It is. Yeah. All right. So how do they get paid? So well, how do the sponsoring companies yeah. get paid? Yeah, and how does the uh, in this case the the financial representative get paid on it? Yeah, tell me. All right, so yeah. the financial representative is going to get part of that two percent. Okay, the sponsoring company is going to get part of that two percent. Uh-huh. So maybe it's a fifty fifty split, right? Okay, maybe not. Maybe it's one and a half and fifty basis points. Yeah, whatever the split is, and it, I it's I may not even know that. You if may I'm not. the retail yeah. investor, yeah. and we're talking about. Mm-hmm. a financial advisor dealing with an investment mm-hmm. company. Here, sure. Right? But I need to know it's going to cost me 2%. Right. Right. Well, and, and you need to know that there's an underlying cost of probably 2%, but you may never even see it. Oh, really? The way these things are done. Okay. Okay. 
because all you know is you're putting in ten thousand dollars and you're guaranteed uh Mm -hmm. as long as this issuer is still going to be around Mm -hmm. that you're going to get your ten thousand dollars back at the end of a certain period of time so when they invested it they might have made a little money in there they could have all right yeah but they're doing this for me Mm -hmm. giving me this assurance i get my money back that's right they're also over here picking the products and the calls mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff and arranging that sure. sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Very few people are going to work for you for free. That's right. Right? Yeah. Is it reasonable that you pay 2% for something like this? I think in a product like that, it is. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there are also advisory-based products where mm-hmm. the, the fee is less, okay. uh, so to speak, because there's generally a management fee that's tacked onto it outside of that account mm-hmm. or outside of that product. Okay. Uh, which, you know, that gets into the nuances of these things right. and how advisors are paid. All right. So if I do one of mm-hmm. these or I think I need one of these because Bubba told me to get yep. get started and I don't want it all sitting in a savings mm-hmm. account. And I've heard about this S&P or the Russell 2000 yep. or whatever, and I kind of want to dabble in mm-hmm. it and put my toe. And is a structured product a great place to start? Um, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. There are also uh, uh, unit investment trusts, mm-hmm. buffered unit investment trusts, mm-hmm. you know, buffered ETFs, right. um, and other types of investments out there that could be a consideration as well. All right. So all of those with the buffered and notes mm-hmm. and structure and all that. And in my mind, it sounds like they're put together in a way so I'm just not buying an investment and taking my chances. That's correct. Yeah. Right. There is there's in most of those, there is usually some sort of feature that would limit or protect your downside. Okay. Uh, increasingly, are people um, attracted to these kinds of things? Uh, I would say increasingly people are attracted to those as well as uh, indexed annuities. Okay. So an indexed annuity is going to work in a very similar fashion, mm-hmm. right? Uh, indexed annuities many times will offer an individual investor the ability to invest their money in the stock market with limited downside risk. Okay. All right. And you have to pay for that too. You have to pay for that too. Because they're doing you a favor here. I mean, they're they're putting the the thing together. So you're just not going out there and buying a stock Mm -hmm. and taking your chances and it could go up or down. Now the product itself may say, well, there's no charge associated with this. Last I checked, these insurance companies aren't doing it for free, <laughs> right? I think you can bet yeah. bet on that, right? So again, I think that the insurance companies, the structured product companies, that sort of thing, uh-huh. have a way to build in a little bit of juice on the inside of these things mm-hmm. so that they're paid on them. Mm-hmm. And rather than, uh, in this case, an investor who invests you know, $10,000, Mm-hmm. And if they were invested in just the S&P 500, mm-hmm. you know, you've got unlimited upside and unlimited downside. Well, actually a limited downside. It could go to zero. Okay. Right, right, right. But if it goes up uh, and let's say that uh, there may be a cap associated with that, mm-hmm. you may have a 6 or 7% cap to the upside oh. for 100% downside protection. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything above and beyond that 6%, then maybe the insurance company keeps it. Now, all this discussion is related to things Mm -hmm. and investments that possibly would work for a moderately conservative person. Moderately conservative, and we're kind of approaching that moderate level. All right. We're dropping the conservative a little Uh bit. Yeah. And a lot of that is just because of the nuances and the complication Mm -hmm. and... 
Correct. And cost and Mm -hmm. possibility for risks and that. Correct. So every as we're taking these steps and we're Mm -hmm. moving up the risk chain, we're adding maybe cost, we're adding nuances, we're adding complication, we're possibly adding risk. That's correct. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you don't want any risk mm-hmm. and you don't want any complications and you don't want to pay anything, you probably are down there in a conservative sure. where you're going to do it with CDs and savings mm-hmm. accounts. Right. Is right. that kind of correct? The, yeah. The synopsis of it? I would, uh, in moderate conservative, I would throw in um, investment grade bonds. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, you used a qualifier there. What does investment grade bond mean? So, investment grade bond has a certain rating. That means that they are a little bit more financially sound than, say, a high yield or junk bond would be. Oh, so junk bond just by its name, you know, kind of denotes, yeah, right, <laughs> right. Most people would call those, or in our industry, would call those high yield bonds. Uh-huh. Okay, well, uh-huh. they pay a higher yield because you're taking on a little bit more risk. All right, so let's let's mm-hmm. put a snapshot in somebody's head here. A bond. Mm-hmm is basically me lending money to a company or an entity like a government or a municipality Mm -hmm. or whatever for a period of time. In the meantime, they pay me interest. At the end, I get my money back. That's correct. All right. That's the the contract. That's Mm -hmm. the agreement. That's the structure of that thing. Right. Called a bond. Mm -hmm. If it's investment grade, I pretty much can count on the fact I'm getting my money back and I'm getting my interest. That's right. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's junk or high yield, they're going to promise me because there's a possibility that Phil's company here is on thin ice. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're? Yeah. All right. Yeah. And he's needing this money. And so he Mm -hmm. issues this bond. He finds out that Bubba has issued some bonds because he's got a real strong company that's been around forever. And he pays 3% on Mm -hmm. his bonds. And in order for Phil to entice me to put money over at his iffy company, he's going to have to pay 5% Mm -hmm. or more. Uh Because his bonds inherently carry more risk. Mm -hmm. And as an investor, you would want to be compensated for accepting or taking on more risk. I would say so. Yeah. Right? Because mm-hmm. I start looking at his financials or I ask my financial advisor to do that or to give me a mm-hmm. synopsis. Or you brought up a rating. Mm-hmm. All these bonds that are registered and the SEC says they're okay yeah. for me to invest in, have they mm-hmm. been rated? They have been. That's right. By an independent entity mm-hmm. that looks at them right. and says, hey, Bubba's company yeah. is Standard A+. and Poor's, Moody's are a couple of big ones, and there are different uh, rating scales, mm-hmm. uh, and you, you've got you know uh, all kinds of different ratings that you could attach to a, an, an issuer of bonds. All right. But if it's investment grade, mm-hmm. it's going to be up in the A's. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. If it is junk or high yield, mm-hmm. another yeah. way to market that, right. It's going to be C's or lower, right? Correct. Yeah. All right. And so, you know, some rating company has looked and said, hey, Bubba is A. Mm-hmm. And over here, Phil, he's C or D. Mm-hmm. But Phil's going to give you two more percent. Right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right? If he's around to continue paying that two percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we're up against another break here, and as we get in the weeds, I hope this is an interesting discussion, too. We're going to come back and talk about what it means to be moderate and what it means to be aggressive from the Advisors Roundtable. 
Thank you for being with us at the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Cooley and Labus with you here. And so, but we're talking about, you know, people thinking, hey, I need to get started. I need to do this investing thing, but I don't know where I fit. Mm-hmm. Now, we've talked about... Conservative. This may, yeah, this may be your personality. Mm-hmm. Or moderately conservative. And these not just mm-hmm. uh, fit your personality, but these are the investments that fit that. Right. Now, before we leave moderately conservative, you mm-hmm. feel like we've pretty well covered all of the assets that they can possibly invest in there. That feels like it, yeah. So, you know, even Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or the most aggressive investors probably mm-hmm. going to have some cash. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, we move you all the way to the left mm-hmm. on this thing and get you up to aggressive. That doesn't mean that you hate bonds. Right. That means it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're ever going to have a structured mm-hmm. product or a structured note or a downside protection or yeah. a put or a call or any of that stuff. But it means you're going to have more of something else than you do of mm-hmm. other things. That's right. So these moderately conservative people are probably going to have a certain percentage in cash. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to have a certain percentage in bonds, mm-hmm. a certain percentage in savings and CDs and yeah. structured notes and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Would a moderately conservative person own individual stocks they could yeah oh, really? potentially okay maybe they inherited some mm-hmm. i don't know that they would necessarily go out and purchase those mm-hmm. if they did like i say i think it would be limited uh mm-hmm. to what they would own or the overall percentage that they would own you know you know five ten fifteen twenty percent may be and twenty percent may even be on the high side uh, for a moderately conservative and it's investor. probably going to be in some big blue chip company correct yeah right mm-hmm. then they're going to allow you to sleep at night that's right now let's move to moderate okay so moderate could have all the things we've already talked right. about plus what Plus, I think you're you're starting to add more uh, individual equities or stocks, okay, or ETFs or something that represents those stocks. Okay, so what is an ETF as opposed to an individual stock? Give so me an a ETF bit of or a definition. mutual fund is basically a basket of stocks or a basket of investments. Okay, you could have an ETF that owns bonds. You could have an ETF that owns stocks. Okay. You could have an ETF that does a little bit of everything. I mean, uh-huh. so there are many different ETFs out there. All right. And that stands for Exchange Traded Fund. All right. Uh, so those, much like a mutual fund, mm-hmm. are going to have a mandate or a, a designation that says, this is the type of fund that we are, and these are the types of things that we're going to buy in this fund. All right. So let's say that uh, Phil, our executive producer over there, mm-hmm. he you know decided a few years ago that this investment thing really cranks mm-hmm. his tractor. And so he went out and got a bunch of designations and do- did a lot of education mm-hmm. and reading and whatever. And now he holds him out himself out to be a uh, blue chip mm-hmm. stock fund or ETF. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. What does that mean? It means that he's going to own or purchase and deal in the largest of the large, large cap companies out there. All right. So what do you mean by that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm talking about the Walmarts, and I'm talking about the Exxons, and I'm talking about the Coca-Colas, mm-hmm. Procter's and Gambles, and, and, you know, big, big companies. Right. Not necessarily uh, all American companies. Oh. They can be international as well, big blue chip uh, companies. But sometimes, m- most of the time, you're, you're talking about big American companies. All right. You're talking and, about blue and chips. And he makes a fund out of this. Mm-hmm. 
and ex- it's, it, it's traded on an exchange. Right. Hence, exchange-traded mm-hmm. fund. And those of us in the industry, we use the mm-hmm. shortcut, and we call it ETF, exchange-traded fund mm-hmm. ETF. So you're saying that a moderate investor may own some of those? That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And may own some individual stocks. Right. Individual bonds? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Depending on the size of the portfolio, yeah, it makes, okay. could make sense to do that. All right. Now, how does a person know whether they are moderate mm-hmm. or whether they're aggressive? What, what is it about their personality? What is it about their experience level? What is it that lets them know, hey, in a moderate portfolio, yeah. 10% of these can be individual stocks, but over an aggressive portfolio, nine, 90%. Yeah. So I, I, I think a, a better way to describe that mm-hmm. is uh, based on the possibility or, or probability of loss, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. and how you're going to react if that loss does occur. So is this like a psychological test sort of thing? Very much so. Really? Very much so. Okay. So I'm going to pick on uh, Daddy Warbucks Phil over here, and let's just say that uh, he comes to me and says that he is a moderately aggressive investor. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, uh, for a moderately investor, uh, moderately invested investor, uh, you're going to have, um, you know, probably a 60% stock mix to 40% bonds and cash. Okay. All right. All right. And let's use $10,000, $100,000, whatever it is, mm-hmm. say $100,000. And in any given year, uh, your account could go from 100000 down to $85,000. And you just look at his eyes and see what he... And, and, and then he says, wait a minute now, I don't know about that. And I say, however, in a good year, you could go from $100,000 to $115,000. Again, it's, it's that feeling of loss versus gain that most people resonate with. Right. And a lot of times, investors don't even know what type of investor they are until they've lived through or experienced some of that. Right. And sometimes uh, after they've lived through and experienced that, and, mm-hmm. and in this case, let's say that uh, Daddy Warbucks Phil got invested at the beginning of last year, right? Mm-hmm. And then he saw his moderate portfolio mm-hmm. go down in value from 100000 down to $90,000, okay? He's pretty upset because he thought he was taking just kind of middle of the road risk, et cetera, et cetera. But it's one of those off years when everything just didn't work mm-hmm. out, right? Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. only did stocks not work out last year, bonds didn't work out either yeah. because we had rising rates last year. Yeah. So he was down in his overall portfolio, yeah. right? Yeah. And he begins to second guess himself and say, you know what? This is not for me. I need to sell everything and I'm going back to my CDs. <laughs> so what has he done? He's automatically or uh, immediately locked in his losses. Oh, that's true. Now, if he said, you know what, Bubba, I remember you telling me that this was for the long term, Uh and I'm okay with that, and in fact, I've had a little bit more of a bonus this year, and I'm going to add some money to it. Because I see this as a buying opportunity. I see this as an opportunity. So if you're talking Mm -hmm. to people, talking him through this before it happens, Mm -hmm. and you're asking these questions about how would you react if... Mm -hmm. How would you react if? If the market went down, would you want to jump off the building, or Mm -hmm. would you see it as a buying opportunity? Right. Some people, and if they say that I would probably see it as a buying opportunity, mm-hmm. meaning that I want to buy more, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. If it's prudent to do so, mm-hmm. 
then I would say, yeah, you're probably a moderately aggressive investor. Okay. Or moderate to moderately aggressive, just depending on your mix. Right. Now, if it's somebody mm-hmm. who comes in, and let's say the Warbucks Phil mm-hmm. here has been doing this for 50 years, mm-hmm. and in your questioning of him so that you can help him get categorized correctly, you ask him, how did you react in 2007, 8, and 9? Mm-hmm. You just sit back and listen, listen to I, him talk? I do. And if he's the type of investor that says, you know what, I scrounged together every penny that I could because I knew that things were on sale, okay. then I know that he is uh, could be a contrarian type of investor and very um, astute when it comes to markets and the way that they work and has a very long-term time horizon. Okay. All right. Warren Buffett, I think, is a perfect example of that. Okay. All right. And sometimes Warren Buffett can sleep at night even when the markets are going down. That's right. In fact, every night mm-hmm. he's able to sleep sure. because that's just his personality mm-hmm. or his experience level. Right. So as we have moved... And it also helps that he's worth a couple of billion yeah, dollars. That might help yeah, you sleep at 50 night. 50 billion or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, three or 400 million mm-hmm. of it's in cash at any given time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I probably, my wife right. would allow me to sleep and not right. be worried about right. what the market does. Right? But if you've got $200,000 of your own money invested 100% mm-hmm. and it goes down 15%, mm-hmm. that's $30,000 on right. 200. Yeah. Now it's at 170. Mm-hmm. Last year it was 200. That's right. Yeah. How do you react then? Yeah. It'd be amazing from time to time if we had those little monitors, mm-hmm. like those heart rate monitors that they put on you yeah. at the cardiologist mm-hmm. when people are sitting in your office, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just to see how they um, are, what their readings are. Right. Um, well, I hope this discussion about the various uh, risk categories and also the ways to attack it with the investments that you put in each uh, has helped you as you think about who you are and how you should save and invest your money from the Advisors Roundtable. discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an Advisors Roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planners, LLC. Ignite Planners, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.